0: Hello, listeners. I'm Robert Fleming of the Tucson, Arizona Elder Law Firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. You're listening to Elder Law Issues. I'm here with my partner, both in practice and in podcasting, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. I almost said in crime, but of course we uh, we try to avoid criminal activity.
1: We're also partners in wine drinking.
0: (laughs) Which I suppose could turn into, yeah, let's not go there. (laughs) Uh, and uh, and we're partners in friendship. Hey, what about it? Uh, we're going to talk today, Elizabeth, about um, qualified beneficiaries. Last week in our podcast, we talked about the requirement of a trustee to report to the trust beneficiaries. And I said in passing, they only really have to report to qualified beneficiaries. And one day we'll get around to defining what that means. That day has arrived. Let's talk about qualified beneficiaries. Elizabeth, what does it mean to be a qualified beneficiary?
1: So, Robert, before I get into the definition, I think it is important to note here we're talking about Arizona law. And so if you're listening from another state, we're really happy you're tuned in here. But we are going to be talking about what a qualified beneficiary is defined under Title 14 of the Arizona Revised Statutes. It's really important to be specific about that. So when somebody is a qualified beneficiary, we often see that term as it relates to trusts. The trust might be a revocable trust or an irrevocable trust. And that means that the person is entitled to income or may be entitled to income. What that means is, is that the beneficiary may be currently receiving distributions of income from the trust or could be receiving distributions of income from the trust. So it's actually quite a technical thing, Robert.
0: And so if somebody is named in a trust document, this trust is for the benefit of my son, Benny, and his kids, Mabel, Arthur, and... I'll forget these names pretty quickly, of course, Uh, and they're all of their kids, even though they're all named, they might not be qualified beneficiaries unless they're people who could receive income or principal. They could they could be entitled to receive principal. There's one more level of qualified beneficiaries, and those are the people who might be entitled or permitted to receive income or principal after that. And this is. Uh, sort of a, a paraphrasing after the happening of one event. So, in other words, this is a trust for my son Benny and all of his issue. Benny is clearly a qualified beneficiary because the trust terms say he can receive income and in principal. On Benny's death, then the trust divides and goes to all of Benny's kids. Benny's kids just became qualified beneficiaries because the one event, Benny's death, would make them people who are permitted recipients of income or principal.
1: Wow, Robert. So when we talk about somebody who may be a qualified beneficiary, that could be a pretty big list.
0: It could be a pretty big list. So in our description here, Benny's kids are all qualified beneficiaries. Normally, and we have to look at the trust document to determine it, but normally Benny's grandkids are probably not qualified beneficiaries. But then one day, Benny's oldest daughter dies, leaving two children. We're very sorry. It's a tragic event. Uh, But now Benny's grandchildren, those grandchildren, just became qualified beneficiaries because on Benny's death, they step into their mother's shoes, as it were, and they're entitled or permitted to receive income or principal. So now the reporting has to go to Benny, his kids, and those two grandkids of the deceased daughter.
1: Robert, can a charity be a qualified beneficiary?
0: Absolutely it can. Uh, and and typically, we don't think of charities as ever dying. So once you hit a charity, you probably have cut off that line of qualified beneficiaries. Um, but uh, but there's nothing that stops a charity from being a qualified beneficiary.
1: And hey, Rob- And Robert, I was going to say just about charities. Oftentimes, that's overlooked. Oftentimes, what we see is people are accounting to the first layer of qualified beneficiaries, but they don't think about the fact that maybe there there are contingent beneficiaries that may be charities. And those charities never receive these reports uh, because people simply don't identify them as qualified beneficiaries.
0: Absolutely right. I leave all all of my trust income and principal permission for the trustee to distribute to my son, Benny. When Benny dies, it all goes to the good works charitable organization good works is a is a qualified beneficiary uh, now if you don't give them notice you the trustee don't give them notice of your annual reports that we talked about last week they're probably not going to sue you they're probably not going to demand your removal but they are going to be unhappy that they haven't had a chance to see what was going on for the last 17 years of Benny's life and they're entitled to receive it that's one of the things that we talk to clients about when they're drafting when they're having us draft trusts. If they say, Oh, I want this trust to be for my kids' benefit and then ultimately to go to my favorite charity, we say, now you do realize that the charity is going to know what money your children got out of the trust every year, because the trustee is going to account to them. Are you okay with that? Because that's a reality of of notice to the qualified beneficiaries.
1: Well, Robert, one question that we also see is if we have uh, somebody create a revocable trust, so I may create a revocable trust during my lifetime, and I'm the beneficiary of that trust. So I'm the one who's entitled to all the income and the principal of that trust. And when I die, the remainder of my trust may go to nieces and nephews. Sometimes people want to know today if I'm required to account to myself and then whether the nieces and nephews are already qualified beneficiaries. Those questions get a little bit more sensitive.
0: They do and and that would terrify a lot of people who would worry about giving information to the niece and nephew or for that matter to their children or for that matter to the charity that is going to receive after their death and there's good news here. The qualified beneficiary definition only applies to irrevocable trusts. So while you're still alive and you still have the power to revoke the trust You don't have to give notice to anybody. There's no reporting requirement, no accounting requirement. If your daughter takes over as trustee because you have lost it, still no duty to report to remainder beneficiaries. Even though you've lost the ability to revoke the trust, it's still, as a legal matter, a revocable trust. And therefore, the qualified beneficiary definition doesn't kick in. I need to be very clear this is arizona law and that answer would be different in a number of other states because the uniform trust code provision cuts the other way and some states have adopted the uniform trust code provision uh, rather than arizona's version of it So,
1: so robert in the case where we talked a little bit about what happens if i become incapacitated i am still though entitled to information about my trust even though i may no longer be the trustee is that right
0: absolutely your daughter who has taken over does have a duty to report to you and, and to give you enough information to protect your interests. Now, ordinarily, when she takes over, there are going to be two things true. One is you're not going to be able to understand the reportings because that's why she took over. You have become incapacitated. And the second thing that is almost always true is she and her brother will suddenly stop getting along as well as they have gotten along all during, all during their, their younger lives clients are, as you know, Elizabeth, they are forever telling us, I don't need to worry about that. My kids get along just fine. That is not always what we see after the incapacity and Lord knows after the death of the parents.
1: Well, Robert, I think that each family has their own particular concerns. We see many common concerns. And when it comes to Figuring out who may be a qualified beneficiary and how all of this reporting works, I can't underscore enough how important it is to speak to an attorney who knows trust law. Go in, sit down, have a consultation. It's a great thing to understand in advance what is required regarding these reports but even more so, who are the qualified beneficiaries upon your death? I think that's one of the things that, as you said, when we meet with people about doing an estate plan, we try and make sure that they're well aware of who will be a qualified beneficiary upon their death and therefore entitled to information about the trust. It just can't be underscored enough that this is not something that anybody who hasn't practiced law or understands the law in Arizona could just naturally get. It's, it's a little bit more complicated than how it may look on the surface.
0: We lawyers dabble in language, and uh, this is a good illustration. A lot of extra importance is assigned to ordinary words like qualified. Enough about qualified beneficiaries for today. Feel free to come see us if you if you want to talk about your estate plan and the effect of your trust planning on uh, on these reporting requirements. In the meantime, I'm Robert Fleming. I've been chatting with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We are two of the partners at Fleming and Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm, and we do this once a week. We uh, we really enjoy putting out our podcast information. We hope it's helpful. We hope you will join us again next time. We'll talk at you then.